thank you for tuning in to the Doing Business with God podcast. Hey, you. Yes, you. I am your host, Michi Renee. It is Michi's passion to help you live your best life and do business God's way. Michi will be talking about entrepreneurship, manifestation, monetization, mindset, beliefs, starting and growing a business, nonprofit, or ministry, all while serving God. So welcome to My Daddy's Business. It's time for the show. It's the Doing Business with God podcast with your host, Michi Renee. Hello, tribe. Welcome back to another episode of the Doing Business with God podcast dedicated to helping you do business God's way. In this episode, I will be talking with Derek Smokin' Jones. He owns the Derek Smokin' Jones Touring, Chicago music DJ and producer, 35 years in the house and dance music industry, CEO of Power Mix Group One Records and Entertainment, creator of the Music Alliance Festival, the largest South suburban music festival in Chicago, and he has a host of musical credits, which I'm going to link those in the show notes, as well as where to find him on social media and online for his music. So Derek, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Absolutely. So let's just jump right in. So first thing I want to know is tell me how you got started in the music industry. Huh? Well, I started out as a dancer in grade school. Then I just kind of fell in love with, you know, the whole music thing. And I started, you know, working in my uncle's lounge and I wasn't supposed to. He would sneak me in and I was kind of like the human jukebox and I would play music in his back room and everybody thought of jukebox and they didn't know it was some kid back there playing 45s. And Mm -hmm. then from that point, I got introduced to house music through a friend of mine named Jeffrey Green that told me about WBMX radio and he says, hey, you're listening to the mixes. And I'm like, what is that? He's like, you don't know what the mixes are? And I was like, no. And so when I tuned in, I fell in love with the sound, the culture. And that was in the early 80s. I want to say that was around about 83, 84. And I put my first record out in 1985. Yeah. Oh, wow. So tell us about the record. Like, what was that about? And how did that go? Because I'm, I personally come from an area where house music is not popular. I grew up in the South. So you're talking about a different whole kind of genre of music. So mm-hmm. let's just start there first before you talk about that album. What is house music, first of all? And how did you fall in love with that versus well, other music genres? Well, house music was actually created on an accident. And that's a whole nother story. It was not a thing where it was thought about. And we said, okay, yeah, you know, we're going to call it house music. It was a thing where a bunch of young kids at the time that were in their teens going to parties and events that were primarily at that time in the gay in the gay clubs and the gay communities, you know, from New York to Chicago and, and so forth, Chicago back to, to New York, it was different clubs. And of course, they were exclusive clubs. So we kind of started sneaking into these clubs to see what was going on, you know, that whole curiosity thing. And everybody was like, wow, I really like this music. And at that time, the music was the sound disco, you know, 
parents Motown classics, your Philly sound. So it was that thing, you know, Harold Melvin in the Blue Note, Grace Jones, you know, Teddy Pendergrass when he was on his own, Marvin Gaye, who else can you go to? Isaac Hayes, Shaka mm-hmm. Khan. So it was that whole disco-y slash Motown era. So we started listening to that music and we put our own twist to it. We started taking samples from it and, and borrowing beats and trying to figure out, ooh, that kind of sounds cool. And we started doing things in a 4-4 time, you know, hard kick drums and heavy snares and, you know, and it just kind of developed. And so the term house music kind of came because it was the music that your parents were playing at home that we just kind of took and said, hey, now there's a rumor that, you know, a guy named Leonard Remix Roy came up with the name when he was spinning on the Northwest side and one of our legendary DJs that passed away, Frankie Knuckles, was walking down the street and happened to see a sign in this lower window saying we play house music and Frankie went in there to see what it was and that's what it was. The music that your parents played, you know, at home. Wow. Okay, great. That was definitely an explanation because I've never heard it explained like that. So that's good to know. So when you produced that first album, how did that come about? And I noticed that you've spanned a 35 year career in the music industry. So talk to us about that as well. Well, how the first record came about, it's interesting because first I was a DJ, you know, and I was DJing in a lot of different clubs. And one of my mentors at one of the venues that I spun at, which is gone now, used to be a club here called the Cop Her Box 2. And I started playing there and one of my mentors would always, you know, say, hey, homeboy, come here, homeboy, do this, homeboy, do that, you know. And one of the owners of the legendary club was also a trumpet player for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm -hmm. So he was one of the partners in it. The other partner, his name was Chris, you know, rest in peace, he got killed in a terrible auto accident. But the point is, that's where I started, you know, playing the music. And then I got interested in making the music. So I went and bought me an Elisa's drum machine and MIDI recorder and a few other things that I had. And at that time, I was just kind of piecemealing stuff together because I was working at a meatpacking plant and buying records and trying to hustle up my own money. And my father, all my most of my relatives were journeymen. They were plumbers, electricians, carpenters, bricklayers. And I did learn those trades being around them, but I just never really had an interest in them, you know. Mm-hmm. And my father would always get mad and say, man, you need to be a plumber. What are you messing with that music crap for, you know? So I wanted to prove something. So I said, I'm going to make this song. And I did it. And I named it Homeboy because that's what he called me all the time, Homeboy. And I put it out on a label called Rockin' House Records based out of Chicago. The owner was actually a high school teacher at our school here in one of our high schools here in Chicago called South Shore. His name was Rodney Baker and or is Rodney Baker, I should say. He's still here. So let me not speak to him in the past. (laughs) But but yeah, he's here, you know, and we still communicate from time to time and talk about the old days and stuff. But anyway, that's how the first track came about. And then I end up signing with another legendary Chicago called Chicago Tracks Records. And that was one of the biggest house music labels in Chicago. And then the second one would have been DJ International. And those two 
label spawned a lot of local stars that end up becoming worldwide stars. And we ended up touring and going to London and Europe and, you know, Germany and so many places. And here we are, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, making, you know, $10,000, $30,000 and driving cars your parents can't even afford. So it was very interesting to say the least, you know. And then my father said, I like that music. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) So that's how it started. Just me trying to prove myself. And I had a deep love for the music. I had a very deep love because house music is also very spiritual. It's based off, we also dig off a deep root of gospel music. Mm -hmm. So most of our songs that we produce and have made in the past and some in the future are very preachy. They speak to the soul. Mm -hmm. They're nonviolent songs. We don't, you know, it's very unlike hip hop or gangster rap or anything like that. House music was always about peace and culture and love and, hey, how you doing? You know, if I'm setting up at a picnic and, you know, it's not a thing where it's my food, it's our food. It's not a thing where it was my stuff to drink, it's our stuff to drink. And yeah, you can sit in my chairs, you can hang out in my tent and everybody was just like that with everybody. So, and it was a thing where we came up in that period of time where you still kind of, you know, you respected your elders. It was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. And then we were kids and we went and did what kids do, you know, when you're not around your parents, you know, and stuff like that. And, but it's kind of not like the whole hip hop thing where, you know, it's a lot of disrespect of women, disrespect of men. And I'm not bashing. I'm just saying a lot of that culture was, that's why they separated. That's why it was so easy to have house parties in Chicago and different places because they were very nonviolent. They didn't bring violence. That was the only sound and historically where it brought rival gang members together at one party. Rivals, like these guys would normally stab, shoot, and fight each other. They would come into a house party and you would think they were best friends and they knew each other forever and it was never a problem. That's amazing that the music was able to transcend what was going on in the outside world. So that's amazing that the music was able to do that. Mm -hmm. And over the course of your 35 years in the industry, have you you always been in the house sector? Well, yeah. For the most part, yes. I have done R&B songs for people. I have R&B songs out. I have love songs out. I have song, you know, called Will You Marry Me? It was a wedding song and it, and it went really well. You know, if people that were heavy into stepping music, I made stepper songs, you know, R&B yeah. stuff. And I'm actually been commissioned to do a whole nother stepping album now. So they want me to, hey man, come on, you did, you know, we want another one. We want another one. So I'm getting ready to start on that after I finish my next you know house music EP so yeah I mean I like all types of music I mean I went to the opera as a kid I went to you know listen to big bands play I listened to jazz even show tunes you know just like the old I'll listen to Fred Astaire Frank Sinatra Elvis Presley I listen you know I just loved the music so that was just one of those things that I guess was always in me I used to lay in bed as a kid and I always saw myself on stage even at eight, nine years old, I always kept seeing myself on stage performing and I never could understand why. And then it just kind of happened that way. And I used to tell my, my great aunt, she raised me. And I used to say, mom, I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to be doing something. And she said, you know, our parents are, okay, baby. Okay. We're going to see you on stage. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. I have a book out that kind of helps describe house music a little bit. It's a pictorial book that my sister-in-law 
helped me to create and publish. She saw all these different photos and pictures I had of people and influences over the years that I had just collected just for myself. And the book is called My House by Derek Spoken Jones, My House Music Memories. My House Music Memories of uh, the house music culture. So it's on Amazon. People tell me that it's been selling out and they think it was at that time it was only one or two left at one point. I don't know if you can find it on other platforms, but it's called My House by Derek Smoking Jones. And it's just a pictorial pictures under the pictures. It describes how we used to dress back then, what we ate for food, the social drugs, the clubs, the who's who in the beginning. And I'm also working on a volume two of that. And it was pulled into a couple of um, universities as a house music encyclopedia. Awesome. That's great. What inspired that book? Like I said, it was me saving a lot of pictures and my sister-in-law came over one day and, you know, she's a huge house person and she's much older than me. So she's in her, you know, her late sixties, but she loves house music. Okay. She looked and she's like, oh, wow, I remember this and I remember that. And this looks awesome. And where did you, you know, and I had pictures of posters, flyers, the equipment that we use to make beats and the keyboards we use and the clothes we dressed in. If you remember Izai, Polo, you know, Giorgio Mani. I mean, these were all things that we wore, coach belts. And, and, you know, you had your preppies. Then at any rate, that's how the book got started. She saw those photos. She said, you need to put that in a book. And I'm looking at her like, yeah, right. Why would I put this in a book? You know, I said, I'm just going to save them to a hard drive. And, you know, I look at them every now and then or share them with the kids. She says, no, you need to put that in a book. And next thing I know, she sent me this format, how to do it and how to input photos and how to put all the captioning in. And, and the rest is history. The book was out. And again, it was another one of those spiritual connections because we were out at an outdoor picnic. They were some of the books for me at picnic and people were buying them. And I remember two young ladies grabbed book and started flipping through it and reading it. And again, I saw her starting to cry and I'm like, okay, did I put something in there wrong or say something about her mom or what? You know, it was one of those things and she was just crying and I said, is everything okay, honey? And she was like, oh my God. She said, this brings back so many memories. She said, oh, this, she said, this book feels so good and she hugged it like it was a person. Mm -hmm. You really have to experience the culture, especially back then in the 80s versus how it is now. But as overall, the culture hasn't changed all that much, but to really listen to the music and embrace it and get a feel for it. And you could also go to Derek Smoking Jones on Mixcloud and just listen to the mixes. I also do another show on there called The Get Down. That's when I introduce new music and you'll get to hear me swear and all that good stuff. So, but I mean, anyway, you, you don't, you can skip past those shows if you want, but then, but just listen to the R&B music, listen to the R&B mixes, listen to the soulful house mixes, listen to the tribal house mixes. I did one for ladies only. And it's just that whole vibe, you know? So that's why the book meant a lot to people because it brought back so many memories and they, they saw themselves eating that pickle and peppermint. They saw themselves eating those nihilators and the candy necklaces that we used to have and eat. And they saw themselves in the eyes eyes and they saw themselves penny loafers and they like, oh, I remember this. There's the 501 jeans and there's the straight legs, you know. So yeah, that's what the book is about. Gotcha. Pulled you up on YouTube. And so which one of these albums is your favorite one? There's a bunch of them on here. We hope that you are enjoying this episode. If you would like to be a guest, check the show notes for all the details. Let's get back to the Doing Business with God podcast with Michi Renee.
okay you with one like you got to call them out so i mean love the way so oh, love the way you move your body yeah oh it, it made it to youtube already it must be fresh i wiped out all the the original youtube i went through a stage in my life a few years back where i just got so disgusted with everything i deleted everything i deleted the twitter i deleted the websites i delete i deleted instagram social media and i had to end up starting over you know and it's a beast when you got to regain those numbers you once had you know mm -hmm. so but i did it because i was just frustrated with the industry and i was like man i'm gonna go do something else and i deleted everything you know now starting over so now with the distribution company posts all my new releases to youtube and i wasn't aware of it until one day i started getting like streaming royalties from youtube and i'm like why what what is that and then i looked and i'm like oh so <laughs> as they keep putting them out they keep putting them out and they line them up so i guess my favorite one on there is always well, i got two favorites realistically is the love me down and i like magnificent the color of love i love those you know and actually those are some of the best sellers when love the way you move your body came out it's so real strong i'm working on another soul for one right now that everybody's waiting on it's real sexy soulful you know laid back track and everybody's kind of waiting on that and we're just building a new publicist team and promotion team to get that social media back out there again you know for people to know what's going on because i i had iced my old publicist and i almost mentioned the company and i want to do that ice that company and everything and it's not so much as they did anything wrong i think it was just a thing that you know in certain ways you don't know, always like how people do business yeah. so, about grow people yeah i mean they got me out there they got me the interviews they got me all the numbers my numbers were great i was in the thousands and hundred th i mean all that was great but i think it was a thing where I started to recognize, if you will, I don't like how you're treating my people, mm. if you know where I'm going with that. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to space myself from that because I'm not vibing the whole thing here. And I'm sensing some things in here that are not kosher, kosher as it pertains to, you know, race and how you kind of, the things you say and the things you do and you think, haha, you're joking it off, but yeah, you're serious. You know, I don't, I don't want to be bothered. So the, what are you currently working on? What are you currently doing? Currently, right now, COVID has put a strain, okay? So right now, I'm trying to finish a couple of single releases. I just released a couple, you know, a couple of months ago. The latest one now is Love the Way You Move Your Body. You know, it's kind of got a Latin-y dance feel to it. And then I did a song with my wife, Bree Jones, called, oh God, she's going to kill me if I forget our own song. Jesus Christ. But I have so many. It's called Love Me Down. That's what it's called love me down and there's an instrumental key version of it and then there's her vocal version of it and we just came up with those because it's house music if you know since you're not familiar is broken up into multiple multiple genres so you have disco tribal jacking afro techno tech acid meaning house music has transcended the boundaries of the creators who created it here in chicago chicago is the home of house me, you know, and we also came up with so many different sounds and as it went overseas and as it went to other countries and other states and, you know, everybody started like Detroit techno came
came up with their own sound and, and so forth. Chicago and Philly is kind of good for the gospel sound. Like I have another track that I did with a gentleman, Lafayette Parker, and it's a gospel house song called I'm Thankful. Mm. And But we have a lot of other ones. We got Proud Mary. We got Mary Mary. We got Redone, We Fall Down, We Get Up. They're house versions of this where it's very, has that clubby movement, but it, it preaches the same thing. So it's a whole lot of gospel songs that are out there that you guys would listen to in maybe your gospel mainstream that we have taken or got commissioned to do remixes on and got We Fall Down, You Get Up, you know, I mean, we got house versions to those where even when my parents heard them, they were like, that's a gospel song. And we have one <laughs> you know, by BB and CC Whining, you know, Dan, you know, we redid that one. It's just so many of them. And, when, and that's what drew in a lot of our parents that before weren't interested in because I remember like I would talk to, you know, some veteran parents, you know, and older people that were much older than I was or, you know, pretty close, but just not really into the sound because they never listened to the sound. And they're like, no, nah, I don't know if I like that house stuff because my father used to complain about it all the time. He said, oh man, it's such a steady beat. It's just boom, 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 boom. He said, I don't know what they're saying. Ah. And now my father calls me up. Can you get me a house t-shirt? Can you get me? I was like, what? Because what I introduced was the gospel sound to them. Mm-hmm. Introduced the R&B sound. So a lot of your favorite R&B songs, Anita Baker, Luther Vandross, Sade, Erica Badu, the list and Jill Scott, the list can go on and on and on. We made remixes to those songs and now it helped to draw in the people that weren't into it. You know what I mean? Because now they're hearing their music that's familiar to them and they're hearing it with a twist and a different beat and a different feel and they're like, oh, I like this. People that were never into soulful house music or R&B house music, now they're into it because they're like, oh, that's Anita Baker. Oh, that's Luther. Oh, that's so awesome. I never thought you could do that to a song. Mm-hmm. And we're like, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so how can people find your music to listen to it? Because I'm definitely going to go and find some of these songs and listen. The best way I can tell people is you Google Derek, D-E-R-E-K, Smoking S-M-O-K-I-N, Jones. And you can find everything, you know, but for some, because some people don't, you know, everybody doesn't have Apple Music. Everybody doesn't understand how to get in and register for Spotify. And, but that's where I am. Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. And I'm naming these because these are the most common places that people can understand where to go that are in a certain age group, a certain sect of people, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the average person, you can say, yeah, well, Pandora, most people know what Pandora is. Most people know what Spotify is or Apple Music and everybody definitely knows what Amazon. So, you know, those are the places, you know, that you can go to find the music, the basic places. But otherwise, if you're a DJ or anything like that and, and you want to get more and more in the house music, then you go in places like Track Source and Beatport and Track It Down. It's so many places. I'm global, so it's worldwide. So if you Google Derek Smoking Jones, it's going to always say top releases, concert date, you know, it's going to drop like that. We hope that you are enjoying this episode. If you would like to be a guest, check the show notes for all the details. Let's get back to the Doing Business with God podcast with Michi Renee. 
So what advice would you have for someone who is, you know, trying to be a producer, they're trying to be a DJ, they're trying to do all these different things as it relates to music? What would be your advice? Where should someone start if they're really trying to get into the music? To thy own self be true. (laughs) Absolutely. That really is. You know, a lot of people get into this industry because they feel it's fast money and it's instant popularity. The house and dance music industry is flooded with people that want to jump in and do this because, you know, they look at the EDM crowd, which is the electronic dance music crowd, which is more of the Caucasian market house music, where they have taken the black sound and put their own twist to it and came up with kind of a white sound, whitewash sound of our music, as historically has happened quite a bit, you know, across the board with jazz, blues, rock, everything, you know, R&B. So they have their own sound and they're making 600000 500000 thousand a million dollars standing up on stage jumping around playing music to a bunch of teenagers and young adults out there you know and when people see that they go oh wow i want to do that for a living that's cool look at those millions of people screaming you know and then they say oh i'm gonna go out here and i'm gonna go get me a dj set up and i'm gonna you know a hard drive full of music come up with a cool dj name and i'm gonna be a star tomorrow (laughs) Mm, yeah unfortunately it doesn't work that way i tell my audience all the time that you can't skip the process. You have to do the work. There is no, you wake up today and you start a business and tomorrow you an instant success. That don't work at all. That is not how things happen. It does not. I would say real advice, be true to yourself. And what I mean by that is if you really love the music, then play the music for the love of it, you know, and then people will recognize your love in the music, then start to follow you, you know, and listen to you because, you know, again, this house music is very spiritual. It's very played sets. And I've watched people just stand on the dance floor and start crying crying or laying on the speaker and and then they will come to me at the end of the gig or whatever and I remember this one really well. A young lady came to me a few years back dancing and you know and I kept noticing she was crying and then a few of her friends were crying and they were screaming and cheering and I was like oh you know I'm thinking hey they really having a good time. So I get ready to leave you know making room for the next DJ to come in and play his set and the girl stopped me she said you know what I have been going through so much and she said the music that you played, you must depict it for me, she said, because it all spoke to me. And she said, it really lifted me out of my depression. She said, if I could be real honest with you without you feeling funny, can I do that? And I said, sure. And she said, I was going to kill myself tonight. Mm. And I said, really? I said, why? Told me her whole story. She said, how you played. She said, I felt you. And she said, so we're going to go to that old song, A DJ Saved My Life. (laughs) (laughs) I I said, okay. You know, I said, I really appreciate that. She said, no. She said, you have no idea what you've done. And that's not the first time I've heard that. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. I've often had several friends who they love music as well. And they tell me music is life. So how does music is life resonate with you? What is that for you? Reaching wild, teaching, reaching, reaching wild, teaching. Let me stop playing with you guys. <laughs> this is Shanita Lacia of the Reaching While Teaching podcast. Listen, my podcast is all about reaching people while teaching them how to live their best life. I keep it practical. I keep it short and sweet. I keep it entertaining and I keep it very relatable. So please check out my show if you're interested in growing into your God-given potential because I know greatness is inside of you. So check it out. What are you waiting for? The Reaching While Teaching podcast. Available 
available everywhere. Y'all be blessed. It is like in a sense that when I produce music or I pick music to play, you know, before I play a set, I really sit down and I go through a lot of different music, you know what I mean? To pick, to play, because I want to grab you. I want, you know, I want to make sure that what's with me is resonating with everybody else. So I, I make sure I pick that. And when I create music, I do the same thing. I create music from the heart, how I'm feeling, the mood I'm in, the things that influence me, even things that happen in the world that I'd be like, man, if I can create a song to change something in this world to make people sing and not feel depressed or, you know, if they are depressed, I want this song to speak to them. And they got a song out now called We Can't Take No More. And We Can't Take No More, the lyrics, the beat is great. And, but the lyrics are speaking of all the injustices that happen to Black people, the killings, the shootings, the beatings, the riot, the Rodney Kings, you know, just everybody. And it's like, we can't take no more. So when you're stressed out like that in the world and you get out here on the dance floor and somebody is preaching that, if a pastor was standing there preaching a sermon to you and he's saying all of those things and we're going, yes, Lord, amen. Ooh, say it again, pastor. That's what that music does. And that's what I try to put into my creation. Awesome. I love that. I absolutely love that. I am definitely a proponent and a believer in doing things that is your passion, not doing things for money. Because when you do things for money, it never works out. Mm -hmm. When you do things from the vantage point of I'm here to serve, money will always come in reference to that. But when the focus is off of serving, then that's usually where people have hiccups with flow and all of those other things like that. Mm. Totally get that and relate to that. So being that this is the Doing Business with God podcast, how do you do business with God? How do I do business with God? Well, I, you know, I came from a lot of different levels of church. I started from Catholic, well, old fire and brimstone Baptist, from fire and brimstone Baptist to Catholic, from Catholic. And the only reason why I was Catholic because I went to a Catholic school, Catholic high school. Then I went back to the old school Baptist. Then I was Adventist. I mean, just, it was a journey, religious journey. <laughs> and, you know, but what I try to do, especially with my festivals and stuff like that, is I open up the stages for people that say, hey, can you give me a break? Can you give me a chance? I also have dual festivals where one day is, you know, the regular house music stuff. And then the Sunday day would be, I would have gospel choirs out and I would have gospel DJs playing gospel music and we would make it senior friendly. So we would make sure they have cooling stations and chairs and we make sure they had stuff to eat and basically giving back. I mean, one, my wife and I, I think that's why we're not millionaires, billionaires, whatever you want to call it right now, is because my wife and I speak quite a bit. If we had it, we would probably give it all away. And that's probably why God is going to be probably giving it. Because you know, we'd be like, yeah, we're going to go down to, what is it? You know, well, we have a place out here called Tent City and it's where a whole bunch of homeless people live. Mm -hmm. And we would probably just be going down there throwing out bags of money. He needs some money, he needs some money. You know, and you know, so what I came up with and we really wanted to do it this year, but again, COVID kind of put a dent in it because the festival didn't happen and a lot of entertainers didn't get a chance to travel and a lot of gigs got canceled. We, I was due to do a big documentary and now now they want to do a movie and that's been kind of delayed. So, But we were going to go down there and just give out food, give out clothing. You know, That's another thing we do as well. We would do Christmas drives for you know toys and then I would take all the toys. I would talk to different pastors and, you know, and talk to them about their situations and it was kind of like whoever was 
one, I would bring all of those toys to the church. I would bring all of those clothes to the church and then they would have a drive and just give them out. So that's pretty much it. You know, I try and give back lessons because I was blessed, you know. Great. Awesome. Definitely want to give God where his due is due. Always, all day, every day. Mm. So I wanted to talk to you about your music festival that you created. Talk to me about that. Did it happen this year? Probably not because of COVID, no. but what's the flow of that? When do you normally do it? All that kind of stuff. Well, my wife always is very proud of that because she recognized something in it that maybe I didn't. You know, I've always been a person, even growing up as a kid, if I wanted to do something and I liked it, I just up and did it, you know. And the festival was started with, it was just a thought. I was just laying in bed and I rolled over one day and I said, oh, I'm going to start a music festival. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. You know, that's a big undertaking. You know, and in their mind, I'm sure this is going to be five years down the line, six years down the line. No, I got it going that first year I said it. I just jumped up. I said, no, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to have this kind of stage. I'm going to have this kind of lighting. I'm going to have this kind of open area. I'm going to charge. And and people are like, yeah, Derek, I don't think that's going to happen because, you know, how are you going to do that? You know, you got to have, you know, as the kids say, you've got to have this many monies. And, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I said, God's got me. That's all I said. And I just went and did it. Next thing we know, we had a big open field, about two football fields long. It was gated off. We had a mega stage, a mega sound system. We had, you know, high-end, you know, entertainment there. And my wife said, I can't believe you just rolled over and said you were going to do it. And you actually did it with nothing. How did you do it with nothing? And I said, no, I didn't do it with nothing. I had God. Right. When God be for you, no man can be against you. When you're in his will, he going to make a way because he didn't ask us to pay for it. He asked us to believe for it. Right. Thank you. When you ask for it, then you believe for it. That's it. You don't worry mm-hmm. about how God gonna make it happen. That's it. Right, there you go. Say it again. Don't <laughs> That's worry God about business. That, <laughs> that is yeah, his yeah. business. So that is one thing that I have learned is I don't worry about his business. I do my part and then I let him do his part. Mm-hmm. So that's not my business. We normally have a festival here in Chicago in the south suburbs or different south suburban areas of Chicago because they have a bigger one in the city and then I'm affiliated with one of them that they have in the city, which is the Chicago Music Festival. And then we have one that's pretty well known by associates of mine called The Chosen Few. So, you know, they all had theirs. I started mine. And it was, mine was more of an outreach of white, black, Hispanic, all cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how mine came about. The The Chosen Few is more geared towards the older, old school house music lovers, the old classic house people, you know, and their alumni and friends and all that kind of stuff. And they don't really have that much uh, locking with, you know, the youth. And I, I'm trying to draw in the youth because the youth is our future. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there's nobody to carry on what we're doing or, you know, we can't introduce them to something better than what they've been listening to, you know, then how does it move forward? You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to keep going forward. So, you know, I'm still trying to work on getting mentorships, teach young DJs to introduce 
introduce them to the music, introduce them to the sound, you know, and stuff of that nature. But yeah, festival was a labor of love. We didn't get a chance to do it this year. We were going to do a Zoom festival and I was just, I'm not going to lie, I was so heartbroken and depressed, you know, but God always spoke to me during the whole thing because when I was in the planning stages for the one for 2020, I was all excited and, you know, the vendors and I had all the Harley Davidson, we had all these different people going to come in and sponsor and stuff. And maybe a month later, I was sitting at the dining room table and I felt the spirit come on me and I turned to my wife and said, something big is about to happen and we cannot even continue to keep planning this. And she said, huh? I said, something big is about to happen. And Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know what it is. I said, I just feel it in my spirit. I said, all that enthusiasm is gone. I said, something big is about to happen. I said, I don't know if it's in Chicago, the world or what. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, honey, you know, you're just stressing out. You're just worrying about it being successful. Everything is going to be fine. You think you're just overthinking this. And I said, no. I said, this hit me in my spirit. I said, that's different. Mm. I said, that's not what this is. Right. And, and then the next thing we know, we started hearing about this thing called COVID. Then around November, everything just went ballistic. And she turned to me and she said, wow, you said this months ago. Because I told her, even after I had told her that, I said, honey, I said, for some reason, something is compelling me for us to go to the store, buy a lot of stuff, let's stock up. And she's like, stock up? I was like, yeah, let's stock up and get all of this stuff that we need, you know? And she was like, mm, okay. And she's kind of looking at me like I was crazy. And she was kind of, <laughs> you know, she was kind of humoring me a little bit. We would get a few things and she's like, Derek, why are you buying all this stuff? And I'm like, because we're going to need it. I'm telling you, something is going to happen. And soon as it hit, she's like, oh my God. She said, you were right. She said, oh my God, I can't believe that fighting over toilet paper and, and paper towels and lights off. And we had, God just looked out and we had plenty of all of that while everybody was scrambling in the streets and fighting and parking lots were jammed. I was kind of like sitting on the mountaintop looking down at all the chaos. Wow, that's amazing. Won't yeah. he do it? Mm-hmm. Won't he do it? Every time. Join the movement and sign up for the 365 Days of Hearing God's Word Challenge. Check the show notes for all the details. Right now, it's time to get back to the episode. It's the Doing Business with God podcast with Michi Renee. So at Unicorn Tribe, we are all about fun. That's one of our core values. What do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Realistically, make music. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, I love making music. People don't know, you know, I'm a gearhead. So I like building hot rod engines, refurbishing cars in the summertime, you know, building stuff. I like working with my hands, I guess, because I came from tradesmen relatives, you know. So, you know, I like building furniture and taking and chairs and you know it's very relaxing to me you know when other people look at it as work it's like relaxing to me I can I can meditate I can focus I can pray I can while I'm working with my hands and then you think about okay Jesus was a carpenter so I'm like yeah so I mean I just like doing that stuff and when the seasons change you know then I may bury myself more into music or you know in the summertime yeah you can work on the cars it's warm out in the wintertime unless you have a heated shop or something it's like 
like, yeah, who wants to do it? Winter is kind of depressing. It's cold. It's dreary. You know, and so then I spend more time working on albums and releases and working with artists and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm kind of a hands-on person. I like working with my hands and I love the technical side of things. You know, I think that was me as a kid too. I can, somebody could bust something up and put it in a whole bunch of pieces on the floor and then some kind of way I figure out how it all works and I put it back together. That's a good skill to have to be handy. So that's what the wife says. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What would you want the audience to know that you haven't said and I haven't asked you? What would you want them to know about you? I don't know. I'm a very outspoken person and I think I got that from my father. I'm very pro-righteous in the way, not self-righteous, but righteous in the way of equal treatment on the fair treatment for African-American people, Black people, whatever term you want to use. I'm an advocate for that. Because I'm outspoken, I can rub people the wrong way because I'm one of them to say what I mean, mean what I say. But I've also been man enough to retract and say, hey, I apologize. That was kind of uncalled for or, you know, I was wrong. And hey, you know, it is what it is, you know. So most people that identify me to me always says that I'm a stand-up dude. You, you're a stand-up <laughs> dude. You know, I, I'll go in the store. I mean, I, my wife laughed so hard because we read this, we read a home improvement store and I was looking for filters for our furnace or whatever. And I was just talking, you know, to the people and blah, 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 you know, asking, hey, how can I find this? You know, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, people just started yelling and screaming in the store and says, oh, that's smoke oh we love you and then and then the white people everybody started looking like what who is he what is going on you know and, and people running up oh man we love your show we love talking to you oh man you speak the truth man and we love that and blah 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 you're a stand-up dude man oh my god man man keep doing what you're doing man we love you bro man yeah blah blah blah, blah you know and me and my wife looked at each other we started looking at the white people in the store and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, the guy's like, well, here's your filter. <laughs> I, was like, yeah, thanks, I was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed, you know, and my wife's like, well, why would you be embarrassed? I said, because one of the things that I bring this up, and then I guess you can ask the next question, is when I was coming up as a child, my father and my parents, you know, my grandma and all them, they told me, they said, well, Derek, always let your work speak for itself. Absolutely. Now, wait a minute. I said, yes, ma'am, you're right. And through the early parts of my career, that was the dumbest thing I could have did. And I didn't know it until years later. Is because when you're in show business, show business is very cutthroat. Mm. It's very cutthroat and it's, it's, it's definitely survival of the fit and the most creative. And I was told by one of my mentors back then, hey, you need to get out here and beat your own chest and you need to get out here and let people know that you're existing and hey, there's nothing wrong with you bragging on you occasionally and I took that as a hard insult like are you serious oh my god no what what do you mean that's not right you mean come on you know I, I could do great things and people will recognize me for it without me running my mouth about it. you know and I carried that for years and I didn't reach the status of a lot of my peers at that time because of that and I kept saying, what am I doing wrong? And I wasn't the person that hung out at all the parties and drank and smoked. And when my gig was done, I shook hands and I went home. You know, I wasn't the whole after party dude, you know, and things like that. I did my gig and I went home or I went to the, my hotel room or I went wherever I was in the country, you know, and that was that. And I saw that that hurt my career in the sense of, yeah, you may not like doing that, but 
if a tree falls in the forest and no, there's nobody there to hear it, doesn't make a sound type thing. Right. So sometimes you got to be there to hear it. And sometimes you got to be there to make the sound so people know that you're there. But I think you have to do that with a level of humbleness. And now what I do when I get into those situations, I say, God, give me the words to speak first. Speak for me because I really don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I trust you, though. So work through me and put out what you want me to say about me or about what I'm doing, because I never want to appear boastful or prideful or anything like that, because I'm humbling myself to you. So I want people to see that side of me. I totally get that. I totally, totally get that. At Travel Genie, we make your travel dreams come true. We customize your trip. We create itineraries, book airfare, hotels, cars, and event tickets. We don't just book travel. We create experiences. Travel Genie has four trips planned for 2021. San Francisco, Essence, Toronto, and Bali. A $100 deposit gets you started. Use the link below for more information. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Genie 2017 and online at TravelGenie.com. So how can people find you? How can people work with you? They are interested in connecting with you on social media and all of that. They can reach out to my manager, um, Candy Hardy, you know, and she can get that going. You can also find me on, you know, her as well on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. My email I can give if people want that, you know, it's very easy. It's smokinkdj at gmail.com. Smokinkink, S-M-O-K-I-N incdj at gmail.com. You can reach me that way. You can Google me and it'll take you to all. There's so many different sites that has my information on it, my booking information, websites. It's so much out there um, that, yeah, I'm a social media train and it's just car after car <laughs> after car after car. And for me to sit up here and, and run them all down is I get it. the easiest way. The easiest way is hit me up on that email, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, Jones on Facebook. That's, you know, that page was actually started for me to have a private page just for me and my family. And I had got away from all the pages that had the 5,000s and all that because that's like, man, you know, and then everybody found me. So it's probably back up to almost half now about 2500 when it was only supposed to be 50 to 75 people you know you know me and my wife laugh about that now so i said i'm gonna start another page i'm gonna start it on the alias name so then it'll just be me it'll just be me because really i just wanted a page just for me my wife my kids my parents and we could share photos oh look at that pie look at that cake my grandmother could show her ingrown toenail or something you know whatever that's how you find me just google Derek smoking jones and you will find me because mostly all of my social media is either going to have a connection for you know for you to contact crystal or it's going to have a website link or it's going to have a phone number or an email or all the above every one of them so in closing what is your mantra what do you stand for I guess the old saying is you got to stand up for something or you'll fall for everything else. So I guess, but like I said, what I stand for is just love, you know, love, peace, harmony, joy, being helpful, 
you know, being able to give advice, you know, I mean, I stand for so many things to the point that's how they, you know, they used to start giving me the Superman logo because they said, man, you're always fighting for the underdog or you're always trying to help this person or do that to the point of my detriment sometimes where, you know, I'll focus so hard on other people that I forget that I need a break. I forget that I need to recharge my batteries and, you know, and if it wasn't for my manager or my wife and stuff like that say hey slow down breathe you know mm-hmm. you can't save the world right. you know and I always wish that I could and I had to remind myself that's not my job right. and I'll take on so many things trying to be helpful and then I, I consume so many people's problems and depressions to the point they become my own and start to get me down in the dumps you know so I guess I stand for many things you know I, I stand for righteousness I stand fairness you know I'm, I'm a believer in the most high God, you know, I stand on that. I try to maintain a high moral standard. I try to be a person of my word and I fall short sometimes. I mean, I, I am a Moses in the way that if you catch me on the right day on social media, you'd be like, all of those curse words come out of his mouth. Yes, they did. Honestly, yes, they did. And I'm not going to lie. And I'm not going to lie about that, you know, but sometimes, you, you know, people can get to you so bad to the point you just get in this funny because I always say, I say, God, okay, cover my mouth and then I'll start out nice and then it'll go in a few words and I'll be like God God we slip we slip bring me back bring me back but if people know that I mean well and you know and, and my pastors my parents my grandparents cousins you know spiritual leaders they're all on there they'll just they'll put those shaking head emojis or they'll have that finger shaking or, you know like I see you saying everything right just pull some of those words back <laughs> yeah. I totally understand sometimes you be on one you be passionate and you just need to say what you need to say and i'm always honest about me i don't lie about me that's who i am you know i don't do it to be you know belligerent or hurtful it's just you know you'd be like you stupid Right. <laughs> then, why would you do that? You know, and then, then I, I have to exhale and say, okay, I said, so then I have to say, okay, I said six curse words, that paragraph. So maybe in the next few paragraphs of me talking, I'm going to maybe only say one, but it is. So don't be surprised if somebody goes on my social media and they, oh my God, he's going off. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been amazing speaking with you, hearing about your story, hearing about your journey. Tribe, I pray you've enjoyed this episode of the Doing Business with God podcast. Help us grow by subscribing on whatever platform you have listened to us on. Share this episode and pass this on to others. Give us a review and let us know what you think. I will see you in the next episode of the Doing Business with God podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Doing Business with God podcast. If you love this podcast, please share it with your family and friends. Leave us a review and help us grow. We also want to hear about your biggest takeaways. Take a picture of this episode and tag us on Instagram stories under Doing Business with God. And we'll see you next episode. I am your host, Michi Renee. Get clear, got strategy, secure the bag. Have the most amazing day ever. You've been listening to the Doing Business with God podcast. 